Good morning. morning. It's a joy to be here with you today. And to start things off, I want you to imagine something with me for a moment. Uh, Let's imagine that you are looking for a new TV. Uh, you, you go to the store, you find one, and it is perfect. The, the, the picture on the screen, it just looks incredible. It's almost as if you could reach your hand into the scene that is on the screen. So you, you have to have it, so you buy it, you get it home, you set up the TV, and it looks perfect. It's in the perfect space in your home. It's mounted on the wall, the perfect height, the perfect angle, the perfect lighting in the room. You turn that TV on to see how perfect the picture looks. Now as you click it on, the the glow kind of illuminates your face. And you just kind of stand there basking in the light. And you begin to imagine how amazing movies are going to look on this thing. How how immersed in the movie you will be because of this amazing screen. And and you whisper to yourself, it's perfect. But suddenly your eyes drift. Suddenly your eyes, they shift to the smallest dot that you've ever seen in your life. A dead pixel. Have you seen a dead pixel before on a TV? Most TVs today, depending on their their resolution, depending on their size, uh, they can have anywhere between 2 million and 8 million pixels. Uh, All these pixels working together to display that brilliant picture that you see on the screen. But if one of those pixels is faulty, if one of those pixels go dead, then you see just a little dot on that screen because that pixel, it is failing to change colors. It is failing to do what all the other pixels are doing. Now, at first, you barely notice it. You can only see it if you look super close. But for some reason, your eyes, once you see it, they are glued to it. You can't unsee it. You you can't see anything else on the screen except for that dot. The most beautiful scene from nature could be on the screen full of colors, majestic beauty, but still all you focus on is that dead pixel. You no longer see the entire picture. All you see is that little dot and it drives us crazy, right? We cannot handle the imperfection. Our eyes are automatically drawn to it and eventually we get to the point where we don't even want to watch the TV. We want nothing to do with it. Why would we? What's the point? This dead pixel, this imperfection, it has ruined the whole experience. Sometimes it is so, it is so easy to focus on what is not perfect. Even if it's the smallest thing, barely noticeable, we cannot take our eyes off of it. The worst is when we notice what is not perfect about ourselves. We see something about ourselves, maybe something we've done, and we, th- be- we begin to think that everything is ruined as a result. Because here's the truth, that title, not perfect, not perfect is probably the best description for human beings. Absolutely none of us are perfect. We can certainly try our best, but time and time again, we will make mistakes. Time and time again, we will encounter dead pixels in our lives. Whether it's something about ourselves, mistakes that we make, situations that don't go the way we plan. Maybe we even begin to believe that we just don't measure up to God's standards. There's no escaping our own imperfections. 
We have this image in our minds of, of maybe what things should be, but then there's that dead pixel ruining everything. But, but thankfully, we have a God that loves us despite our imperfections, a God that provides us with chance after chance, a God that wants to lead us and guide us to making better decisions so that we can learn from our mistakes, so that we can learn from our imperfections. Because when we live life acknowledging and obeying God's commands for our lives, it allows him to take us apart. It allows him to repair our souls. He fixes and enables us to display the good qualities that he placed inside of us when he created us. Qualities that exist inside of us, but sometimes we ignore because we are so focused on what is not perfect and there's always going to be something inside of us that is just yearning for God's hand to work in us. Uh, something that yearns for God to work through our imperfection. So the next few weeks, we are going to acknowledge that we are in fact not perfect. But as we bring our imperfections into the presence of God, we can see that something happens. As his light shines into the darkness of our imperfections, it allows us to see ourselves the way God sees us. Despite our imperfections, he begins to work in us, allowing redemption to occur, allowing transformation to take place, allowing us to display his love and his goodness through everything we do. But there are times in our lives where we get focused on the dead pixels. Maybe we get focused on the sin in our lives. We get focused on the shame, on the regret. We get focused on the mistakes and we allow those things to guide us instead of God. We, take, we can't take our eyes off of them as they lead us down a path that we should not be on. We do things we regret, things that bring consequences into our lives and the dead pixels, they just start to multiply, popping up out of nowhere distorting our vision, uh, our vision of ourselves, our vision of our value. We notice our own imperfections and we begin to believe that our, our value as a person has decreased because of the bad choices, because of the sin in our lives. Here's something Paul wrote in Romans. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. <laughs> that is a dead pixel on the page of our Bibles, right? That is hard to look at, staring us right in the face, stating that we have fallen short. We are sinners. We do not, we do not measure up to God's standards. We are outside of his glory because of it. Imagine if we see that on the page and we just shut our Bibles and we think, what's the point? I mess up, I make mistakes, I am a sinner. My sin, my mistakes, my shame, my regret, my guilt, it has ruined everything. We begin to attach that shame and regret to our value. We have fallen short because of our sin. So why would God, why would he want anything to do with us? And before we know it, we allow the dead pixel, the sin in our lives to lead us down a different path, a path that is leading away from God. And in our own stubbornness, we venture down that path away from the presence of God. We begin to worship the dead pixels in our lives. We begin to only focus on our imperfections, our eyes. They are glued to them. We stare at them as we walk down the path and they're leading us further and further away. And eventually we get to a point where we stop, we look up and we look around and we are like, where am I? How did I get so lost? How did I wander off so far? Uh, how can I get back to civilization? 
Back to the right path. What can rescue me from the wilderness? What can carry me out of this hurt and carry me home? In the book of Luke, we find a moment where Jesus, he is spending time with a group of people. Now at this point in Jesus's ministry, people, they were following Jesus everywhere. They, they were following him from town to town. They were like his groupies. A lot of the people that would gather around Jesus, they were people who at that time were considered to be outcasts, considered to be the lowest of the low, but they had heard of Jesus's love and his compassion. They had heard that Jesus accepted people like them. They were constantly being told all about their imperfections. They were constantly being told that they were outside of the glory of God, that they had fallen short. They weren't even allowed to attend synagogue, to attend church because of it. And then here comes Jesus, right? And it's almost like Jesus, he is bringing church to them. He was making them feel accepted, making them feel seen. And through that, Jesus, he was showing these outcasts, these sinners, the true love of God. So they all flocked to Jesus. They surrounded him, wanting to learn more. They were hungry for the truth of God that other religious leaders had been keeping them from hearing. So Jesus, he spent time with these people. He loved these people. He taught these people. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, though, they were furious about it. Jesus, he was a rabbi. Jesus was a teacher. He's supposed to be like us. Why would he spend time with people who are lost so far outside of God's glory? Why would he spend time with these people who have no value? So these Pharisees and these other teachers, they vocalized their concerns. They would talk behind Jesus's back, voicing their opinions about these people that Jesus was hanging out with. Here's what the Bible says. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were whispering among themselves. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus was welcoming these outcasts. In this text, the word for welcome used there, it's, it's used as if someone welcomes a friend. Jesus was treating these people like they were his friend and welcoming them. The religious leaders, they hated it. Jesus knew though what they were saying. Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus knew that they themselves were not perfect either. So Jesus, he, he, he begins to tell some stories. He, and these stories, they're called parables. Uh, he, during this moment, he tells three different parables that are often known as the lost and found parables, stories that emphasize that God cares so much for people that are far from him. And he, he's doing it to emphasize why God cares for people that have wandered down a path of sin, stories that Jesus uh, would tell so that people could understand clearly the heart of God. He told these stories so that people would be able to see it all better, so that they could see an image in their mind and would be able to better apply his teaching to their lives so that they would be able to apply his teaching to their way of thinking. And it wasn't just for them, it was for us as well. We read these parables today and it's as if we can see the images that Jesus is describing in our minds. It's as if Jesus is telling this story like it's a movie being displayed on our big, beautiful TV. And one of those stories was about a lost sheep, a sheep that wanders off, a sheep that goes far away from the shepherd. And if this story 
was a movie, it would be divided into three different scenes. Here's the first scene of the movie that Jesus describes. Then Jesus told them a story. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Won't he leave the 99 in the open country? Won't he go and look for, for the one lost sheep until he finds it? So this is the opening scene. The sheep is lost. That one sheep has wandered off down a different path and is most likely in danger. The lost sheep, it would never be able to save itself. The lost sheep, it would never be able to find its way back to the flock all by itself. If the shepherd did not take action to go and find the sheep, the sheep, it would be doomed. So the shepherd, he, he's going to go. He, he's going to go and find that lost sheep. He's going to search for that sheep and he's going to bring it home. So scene one, we will call it the search. In Jesus' story, the shepherd, he leaves everything to search and, and try and find that, that sheep that is in danger. Now, now here's a plot twist. Jesus, he's not actually talking about sheep. He is talking about us. He's talking about people. He's just using the sheep to represent a person. Jesus knows what sin can cause in our lives. Jesus knows it can lead us away from God, that we can get caught in this deadly pursuit of chasing after what we think is going to make us feel good, what we think is going to make our lives better, what we think is going to help us survive. So we lie, we cheat, we become addicted, we cling to selfishness and pride. And it feels good for a moment, but before long, we begin to realize the damage that it's causing to our lives. And we begin to realize that this path of sin that we have followed, it, it leads to consequences, broken relationships, broken homes, broken trust, broken self-worth, and the list it just goes on and on. We begin to feel alone. We begin to feel lost, like we are off somewhere in the wilderness, left with the guilt, left with the shame, left with the regret, faced with imperfection. And we begin to think that we have no value. Can you see it? Can you see that movie play out in your mind? Have you been there? Have you been the sheep that have, has wandered off far away from God? Feeling all alone because of some form of sin in your life. Feeling like you are of no value to God because of the choices you have made. I know I have been there on the run, running from God, thinking he wants nothing to do with me because of the sin and the shame in my life. But that is the lie that Satan wants us to believe. Satan wants us to believe that eventually we're going to get so far from God that God won't come looking for us. And that's exactly why Jesus is telling the story to counter the lies of Satan, to counter the lies of the Pharisees. Because rest, rest assured, when someone is lost, there is a search. Here's what God said in the book of Ezekiel. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. And God loves us so much that there's absolutely no place that we could go that he would not come searching for us. He does not want us to live in the consequences of our sin. He wants us to choose a better way. God wants us to turn away from the sin 
and turn towards him, to seek his direction, to seek his way, to go down the path that he has made for us, a path that will not lead us to destruction, but a path that is leading to his peace and his joy. So he searches for us in our desperation and he never stops calling out our name when we feel like we are just too far off, we are just too far gone, too lost away from God. God is searching for us. He is calling for us, looking to bring us out of the darkness, but we have to turn towards him. We have to listen for his voice and follow him out. And as we turn away from sin and turn towards God, God will lead us to a place of repentance. We begin to see this specific scene unfold in the movie of our life. Suddenly our our eyes, they shift away from the dead pixel and our eyes instead, they are fixed on repentance, the searching love of God. It will lead us to a place of repentance. And as we repent, as we ask God for forgiveness, we put ourselves in this position for him to save us from this sin that we've been allowing to destroy our lives. And this part, it leads into the next scene in our movie, the the next scene in the story that Jesus is telling. Here's what the Bible says. When he finds it, he will joyfully put it on his shoulders and go home. It's such a short piece of scripture in this story that Jesus is telling, right? But this is the climax. This is the point in the movie where the hero, he kicks down the door. He goes in and he saves what had been taken captive. The shepherd takes the sheep into his arms, places it on his shoulders, rescuing it from captivity. So scene number two, we're going to call it the rescue. Because of God's incredible love for us, there was no way he was going to leave us in the captivity of our sin. So as we are led to a place of repentance, as we seek forgiveness for what we have done wrong, he provides us with that way of rescue. Because here's the truth, as we get lost down that path of sin, it can make us feel afraid. That path of sin, it leads us to a place of anxiety and uncertainty. We feel like our future, it looks grim and dim because of the choices that we have made in life. Our imperfection begins to block our vision of what our life could look like. Making us feel like we are way beyond saving, that our lives are destroyed as a result of the choices that we make. Have you been there? Can you see that part of the movie play out in your mind? I'm I'm sure we have all felt the weight of bad choices. We have repented our sin, but now we have to live in the aftermath, right? We've learned from our mistakes, but now we feel stuck with the guilt and the shame. We feel stuck in the destruction. We feel stuck in the rubble. This is another lie that Satan wants us to believe. Satan wants us to believe that there is no restoring of what was broken by our mistakes, that we have to live in the rubble. Our brokenness will never be fixed as a result. But our God, the God that we serve, he loves us so much that not only does he search for us, but he sent us a rescue, a rescue from the shame, a rescue from the guilt, a rescue from the rubble. Here's what Jesus said once in the book of Luke. The son of man came to look for the lost and save them. Another short piece of scripture, but this scripture, it is packed with truth. Jesus, he is the son of man. Jesus is the rescue that God sent for us, his one and only son. Not only did Jesus come to seek out those who were lost, but he came to save them. 
The Greek word used for save in this text is the word sozo. To save, keep safe and sound, rescue from danger or destruction. So in that text, Jesus is saying that he has come to rescue us from the destruction of sin. So that when we repent and seek forgiveness, he saves us from the eternal consequences. He saves us from the destruction and he reconnects us with God. Remember the, what the shepherd did with the sheep? He picks up the sheep and places it on his shoulders. Jesus, he placed all of our sin, all of our shame on his shoulders. He bore it on the cross when he died and was crucified, becoming our sacrifice, our rescue, so that there would be nothing ever in our lives that could separate us from God. There's no need to be afraid because through Jesus, we receive God's grace. Through Jesus, we are made right in the eyes of God. Through Jesus, we do not receive destruction, but instead we, see, we receive restoration. And as we accept Jesus as our savior, as our rescuer, it leads us to a place where God begins to put us back together piece by piece. He makes us whole again because of the grace of Jesus. And we begin to see this specific scene unfold in the movie of our life. Our eyes, they shift away from the dead pixels and our eyes, they are fixed on restoration. The rescuing grace of Jesus will lead us to a place of restoration because of the grace that we receive from Jesus. We are granted this restoration. Jesus, he takes us up on his shoulders. He takes us out of the destruction. Jesus takes us out of the rubble. Jesus, he carries us out of the sin and the shame and the regret. And he places us in the presence of God. He brings us home to where we belong. And this leads us to the next scene in our movie. This leads us to the next part of Jesus's story. Is what the Bible says. Then he will call his friends and neighbors together. He will say, be joyful with me. I have found my lost sheep. Uh, I tell you, it will be the same in heaven. There will be great joy when one sinner turns away from sin. Yes, there will be more joy than for 99 godly people who do not need to turn away from their sins. And, and this is the closing scene in the movie. Uh, this is the final act. This is the resolution. The lost sheep has been found and returned home. The shepherd joyfully calls his friends. The shepherd calls his neighbors and he says, let's celebrate. So this scene, scene number three, we will call it the celebration. Jesus, he's painting this picture. Jesus is declaring the joy that comes when someone turns away from sin and turns towards God. Jesus is declaring the celebration that occurs not just on earth, but in heaven as well. Jesus is making it clear as the lost return to God, not only does he restore them, but he celebrates them. God is overjoyed. God's desire is for us to have a relationship with him, to be close to him always. So as we return to him from the wilderness, when we repent and are restored by the grace of Jesus, there is a party. What was lost is found. Let's celebrate. Call your neighbors, call your friends for what was lost is now found. Uh, this person who was off in the wilderness, they are home, they are where they belong. Can, can you see that? Can you see that movie playing out in your mind? Maybe there was a time in your life where you were just turned away from God, going down your own path, but eventually you turned back to him. And as you turned back to him, you just felt that joy. 
You begin to feel the, the goodness that comes from God when you obey his commands and you, and you just begin to live in that joy. Or, or maybe there's someone in your life right now that you know is just making wrong choice after wrong choice, just chasing after this endless pursuit of feeling good, stuck in the cycle of sin and shame down that path far away from God. Imagine the joy that you would feel if they would turn from those sinful acts and they would turn towards God. Hold on to that feeling of joy. Use that joy to pray for that person. Pray for their repentance. Pray that they would seek out Jesus. Here's one of my favorite scriptures from the whole book of the Bible. It comes from the book of Zephaniah. Zion, don't be afraid. Don't give up. The Lord your God is with you. He is the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer punish you. Instead, he will sing for joy because of you. God is calling for us to not give up, to not give in, to turn to him. And he will be ready to rescue and to restore us, making us perfect in his sight. And as we draw near to him, he is delighted and he sings for joy. And I love that part in that scripture. God, he sings for joy because of you. The direct Hebrew translation from that scripture, it basically says this, he rejoices over you with a shout, with a shout of joy. Can you imagine God in heaven celebrating, shouting with joy because his lost sheep, his lost child has returned home to him. What an incredible thing to realize that our God, the creator of this universe, he celebrates, he shouts for joy for us. But that's something we need to always remember. We always re need to remember God's shout for joy over us. And thankfully, God has given us a gift to aid us in remembering. God gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to remind us of God's goodness, to remind us of God's direction. And when we follow that stirring of the Holy Spirit that is inside of us, It will lead us to the joy of the Lord. It will lead us to a place of rejoicing. And we rejoice in the Lord and we are glad in him for he rescued us. The Holy Spirit, it reminds us that our hope, it is rooted in God. So we will not give up, but we will rejoice. And we begin to see the specific scene unfold in the movie of our life. Our eyes, they shift away from the dead pixel and our eyes, they are fixed on rejoicing. The celebrating hope of the Holy Spirit will lead us to a place of rejoicing. We can always have hope because of God. And that is something to celebrate. So as God celebrates our return to him, we can celebrate the hope that we have in him. We can worship and bring glory and honor to his name as we live out that hope in our lives. The search, the rescue The celebration, that is the story of the lost sheep. That is the story of us, the not perfect. We've all played the role of the lost at one point in our lives. There's a chance we might even replay that role at different points in our lives. But Jesus is telling this story in the other lost and found parables. Jesus is telling this story to emphasize one thing. We can always go home. We are never too far gone. We are never too lost, even if it feels that way sometimes. 
No matter where we are in life, there is absolutely nowhere we can go that God cannot see us. God cares so deeply for those who are far from him. He wants them to know his love, his grace, and his hope. He wants them to know the future that they have with him. Not a future full of dead pixels, but a future full of clarity, a future full of peace in his presence. But it's easy to get distracted, right? We see our imperfections at times and we feel like just giving up. We feel stuck in sin. We feel stuck just staring at the dead pixel. Remember the scripture that we read earlier? All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. (laughs) Instead of seeing that and just closing our Bible and saying, well, I'm done. I'm full of sin. There's no saving me. We have to keep reading. We have to see the big picture. There's still more to come. God still has more planned. Here's the verse that comes directly after that. The free gift of God's grace makes us right with him. Christ Jesus paid the price to set us free. Though we are sinners, though we have fallen short of God's glory, because of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus, we are accepted by God and we can now bask in his glory and we can bask in his presence, but we have to focus on the entire picture, the entire movie. Each and every scene has a purpose as it plays out. Each scene is leading us to the love of God, to the grace of God, to the hope in God and the love, the grace and the hope that is available to us now because of Jesus. So we do not focus on the dead pixel. We do not focus on what is not perfect, but instead we focus on the resurrected Jesus who is working and doing things in our lives. And as Jesus lifts us up and places us on his shoulders, as he carries us back home, as he lifts us out of the destruction, out of the rubble, and he carries us home to the Father, we realize that we are not perfect, but we are highly valued by God. And as we live life fully aware of our value to God, fully aware of the grace that we receive because of Jesus, it does not matter that we are not perfect. What matters is that we are found. And that's the sequel, right? That's the next installment. That's the second movie found. We repent. We become restored by the grace of Jesus and we rejoice in God's goodness. We rejoice that God, he accepts us as we are and we keep following Jesus. Though we adventured off down the wrong path, Jesus, he made a new path for us to follow. Jesus, he came to earth. He lived a perfect life. Then he took a path that led to the cross, a path that led to him sacrificing himself so that we would no longer be separated from God, a path that led to his death. But in his death, it was not the end. In his death, the path that he was cutting, it was not over. Jesus, our trailblazer, he cut a path to the cross. He died, and then three days later, he rose from the dead. Three days later, by the power of God, the path that Jesus created, it continued going. It continued going right into the presence of God. And so today, because of Jesus, we are found. So we have to live found. We have to allow 
the status of being found. We allow that to change our decisions. We allow that to change our actions. We allow that to keep our focus on God, to keep our focus on the path that he has cut for us. We live and rest in the knowledge that we are valuable to God, that he values us more than anything. And as we live in that value, we live in that knowledge, it'll help keep us from wandering off again. Because when we know that when we are in his presence, we are safe, we are taken care of. We know the love, the grace, and the hope that he infuses into our lives. No longer are we met with broken relationships. No longer are we met with broken homes because the strength of the Lord is infused into all that we do as we look to him through everything. But, but here's the truth. With being found, as we live our lives found, there comes a responsibility because there are, there are people living around us, people in our communities, people in our lives, people in our families that are living lost. They're just headed down that path of sin, headed down, chasing whatever they feel like is going to make them feel good. And they are living, not knowing the hope and the love and the grace that they receive from God. So we are not called to point out their imperfections. We are called to help them find their way home. We have a responsibility to, find their, to help people find their way home to God. So in the name of Jesus, we love those who are hurting. In the name of Jesus, we give grace to those who hurt us. In the name of Jesus, we give hope to those who are lonely and feel like there is no hope. In the name of Jesus, we declare that our God is sovereign and is in control. We declare that our God has given us a value that we can never escape no matter how far we go, but we have to look to him. And as we look to him, imagine that TV, right? The, the TV, it's just glowing on you. It's shining on your face. As we stay in the presence of God, as we abide in him, as we rest in his word, as we rest in his truth, his light, it will shine on us. And it bounces off of us, allowing us to be a beacon for those who are lost, allowing us to be a beacon for those who are so far down the path that they don't know which way to go. With Jesus, we partner with Jesus and we lead them to his presence so that as they connect with Jesus, as they look to Jesus, they will see they don't have to live in the destructions. They don't have to live in the rubble. That there is love, there is grace, there is hope available to them and all of us. I kind of got off track. But that all leads to the third trilly. This is why we do it. We don't do it because it makes us feel good. And actually part of our, our DNA here at the church, part of our vision is that lost Peter, Peter? Whew, have you tell, can you tell I preach four times this weekend? Um, lost people matter most to us. We want to be a place that people can come. They can feel at home. We want to be a place where they can get a clear image of God. We, we want to be a place where people can come and they can see the work of Jesus in their lives. They can see the hope that they have. Because we know that there's something greater, even though we endure suffering in this life, even though we go through things that we wish we didn't have to go through, we know at the end there is a joy and we want to experience that joy together. We know that the third movie in this trilogy, the final movie in this trilogy, it is called Eternal Life in Heaven. And we want to experience that together. So we have to live 
and be that light, be that glimpse of Jesus for those that we love. And I'm talking too much. But if you would stand with me now, I would love to pray with you. If, if you've come today and you feel like you are the lost sheep, and you feel like you don't know which direction to take, and you would like prayer, then come down here during this last song. We will pray for you. And if there's someone in your life that you feel like you just want to pray for, you feel like is, is lost and wandering far away from God, come and we will pray for them as well. Or if there's any other reason you want prayer, just come and we will pray with you. Or if you've come today and you felt the stirring of the Holy Spirit inside of you and, and you were so sick and tired of just wandering through this life and you want to dedicate your life to Jesus through the act of baptism, that you want to allow Jesus to put you on his shoulders to carry you out of the rubble and carry you into the presence of God, the water is ready and we will baptize you today. So just come down here during this last song if you would like to be baptized. But right now, I'd love to pray for you before I get kicked off the stage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are a God that searches for us. We thank you that we are never out of your sight, God, that you are calling for us. Even as we venture into the darkness, you are calling us back home. And we thank you for Jesus, that he cut that path directly to you, God, because of his sacrifice, because of his death and his resurrection. We can come to you, God. We can come home. And we pray as we leave this place, we would leave knowing that we are found by your love, by your grace, by your hope. We, we pray that we would leave this place living found in our communities, in our families, in the grocery store, everywhere we go. We pray that we would be the light of Jesus directing people to you until they all come home, God, until we all come home and rest in your presence, God, we will shine the light of Jesus because that is what we stand for as, these, as this church. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place and in our lives. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.